I am sorry. For the last few shows, we have been doing too much industry talk and not enough football talk. I recognize this, and I apologize to the audience. I mean, I can sense it. I can sense it from the emails and the tweets that you're sending me. You can contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter. Email the show, rotounderworld at gmail.com. I can sense when I've gone too far, and I've gone too far. But in my meager defense, we didn't have a lot of stimulus before this past weekend. There wasn't a lot of new information that was released that I found interesting to talk about. So what do we do in that situation? We look inward. We talk about what's going on in the industry. We become the critic of the critics. Those of you that have been listening to the show for any length of time know this by now. You know how it works. You know the different structures that I have in place, the vehicles that are set up for me to drive at certain points in the season, and you had to know that in early April, I was going to default to criticizing analysis of other fantasy experts. And hopefully it was enlightening in some way, because we certainly strayed away from what's important, talking about actual football players. And I just think we went too far, and now I am going to bring it back as we've done at other times in the show's history when the show has become too self-involved. I've made a concerted effort to bring the show back and to make it up to you with extra football talk. And so that is what we're going to do today. Extra football talk. That's right. You all would like me to continue to discuss formations, specifically offensive wide receiver configurations. We talk about this a lot, the optimal talent configuration for a particular offense for their passing game. Josh Doxson, for example. How does Josh Doxson going to Washington help to optimize their passing game? Where will they play Josh Doxson? And based on where they end up playing Josh Doxson, whether it's at flanker, split end, or slot, how will that impact his targets and his production? So that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to wind it all the way back. Because the first time we talked about and set the foundation for what's the flanker role, what's the split end role, what's the slot role, what are these roles all about, define these, set the foundation for the discussion. The first show in which we did that received significant positive feedback from the audience. So I think that it's been a year since we had that initial discussion and we should level set and talk about those particular roles in depth for a moment. So in two receiver sets, imagine the tight ends on the right side of the formation. We're looking at it straight on. Tight ends on the right, that means the left side, the non-tight end side, is the weak side. The split end or X receiver is going to be up against the line of scrimmage out to the left. Now on the right hand side, you're going to have your flanker. He's going to be off the line of scrimmage because the rule in the NFL that is broken at least once or twice per game in the form of an illegal formation is that you have to have seven men on the line of scrimmage. And so that gives the flanker a great luxury that because the tight ends on the line of scrimmage and because the X receiver out wide is on the line of scrimmage, the flanker doesn't need to be on the line of scrimmage. He can be playing off the line of scrimmage and playing off the line of scrimmage. It allows him to get a running start against his defender. That's a tremendous advantage. On the other side is the X, and he doesn't have an advantage. He's on an island. So that's why we ask more of the X than we do the flanker, generally speaking. Now, in three receiver sets, the slot guy floats back and forth between these two sides. Now, oftentimes, they'll flop it, have the tight end on the X receiver side, and then bunch 
the Y slot receiver on the right-hand side with the Z, and they'll both be off the line of scrimmage. You'll see the Patriots do this a lot, where you have Gronk and LaFell on the left side, LaFell at X, Gronk at tight end, and then on the right side, you'll have Edelman and some other flanker receiver, and the whole play is designed to get Edelman open. You have these two receivers on the right-hand side playing off the line of scrimmage, the slot Y and the flanker Z, and they cross. I mean, how many times have we seen the Patriots run this play? I mean, they run it to death. It's amazing. And it works a lot. And then a lot of times what you'll see is they'll set the tight end in motion and have him come across. Or they'll set the tight end up on the flanker side, on the right-hand side, and then they'll start the slot guy off out wide next to the X, and then they'll bring him across. In that situation, you're flooding the power side of the formation, the strong side of the formation. I see this more and more where the X is out on an island, and then you have your tight end, your slot guy, and your flanker all bunched up on the right-hand side. The Packers like to do this a lot with Richard Rodgers. You'll notice that. But in all cases, the X is always out to the left and susceptible to the jam. And the slot and the flanker are able to get running starts. Oftentimes, the great advantage that they have working together, working in tandem, is that they can run some sort of zigzag pattern and try to pick off the other's defender. One running a short out from the inside position, and the other running a short in from the outside position. And again, the Patriots do this all the time. They rub you to death. Now, the Patriots specifically, they do it a little bit different in that Gronk is oftentimes on the other side of the formation, and he's clearing out. And oftentimes, Brady's first read is to Edelman for that eight-yard gain. When you think about the West Coast offense and they're drawing up a play, it's like a basketball team drawing up an out-of-bounds play. They would love to get the guy cutting to the basket open, but a lot of times he's not open. But if they can get the guy cutting to the basket open, they're going to throw it to him automatically every time for a layup. And Brady will always take that layup to Edelman every time they give it to him. And when I say give it to him, it's not because they said, oh, let's allow Edelman to get open. It's because when you're creating chaos with lots of bodies on the strong side, sometimes a defender makes a mistake. Sometimes a defender misses an assignment. And for Brady, when he sees a defender miss an assignment, it's an automatic eight-yard gain to Edelman. You you just know this. This is the Edelman career. The automatic eight-yard pass from Brady. And it's almost always predicated on defensive players making a mistake at some point. Getting picked off or two guys taking one receiver and no one taking the other. That's why you do the rub routes and the crosses. Just in case the defenders make a mistake. To put the defenders always in a stressful situation. Where they're always thinking and adjusting and switching. And it's tiring to a defense to always be thinking and switching and thinking and switching. And then they make mistakes. But there are situations where the defense plays it perfectly on the strong side. And then what do most quarterbacks do in that situation? Well, that's when they sling it out to the X receiver. And in the Patriots case, they usually don't throw it to the X receiver. Really, Gronk plays that role. Gronk becomes the safety valve when Edelman and the underneath receivers aren't getting open. But when we're talking about other teams like the Cowboys, the Falcons, the Packers, they're usually looking back to the X receiver. Now, the X receiver, he runs longer developing routes, deep outs, out and ups, deep hitches, hitch and goes. Those require great timing and coordination with the quarterback. The Z flanker, they run intermediate routes. We've talked about it already. Digs, short outs, slants. 
And they throw in a few slant and goes and out and ups just to keep defenders honest on the strong side. And because the flanker plays off the line of scrimmage, these guys don't have to be great at getting off press coverage. They get a running start. But the one thing about the flanker that they have to do is because they play on the strong side, oftentimes the run game goes in their direction, particularly in two receiver sets. That's a running formation. So if you play the strong side in a running formation, you are expected to crack those linebackers on run plays when you're the flanker. That's why you see a lot of flankers have high BMIs. I mean, you can say what you want about Devontae Adams, but Devontae Adams looks the part of an NFL flanker. He has a high BMI. He has a high burst score. So he can explode out of his breaks. He can explode off the line of scrimmage into his routes and into blocks, into defenders. So in that way, Devontae Adams is a perfectly designed flanker Z receiver, which helps to explain why the Packers stayed with him for so long in that role. Now, the X receiver, that receiver is by himself. That receiver must build significant trust with the quarterback. They need to have rapport because when the play that's designed on the strong side, and again, most of the plays in the West Coast offense are designed for the strong side of the field to get that flanker into space or quick slant to the slot receiver. When that's not there, they need to be able to trust that the X receiver is getting separation and that he knows where the X receiver is going to be because he's going to have to sling it out there oftentimes as he's getting hit. And so that's what the Cowboys have with Des Bryant. That's what Atlanta has with Julio Jones and with the Patriots. That's what they have in Rob Gronkowski because the Patriots don't have a reliable X receiver who can generate his own separation laterally or vertically. So they have Gronk as their escape hatch. And more and more and more what you're seeing with the Patriots is they're just saying, fuck it, let's just play Gronk at X anyway. Gronk is operating as the X role on most of these plays anyway when he's lined up in line. Why not just put him in motion and put him out at X anyway? Let's just get it over with and play him at X. But most teams don't have a Gronk, so they need a proper X receiver who can win in a very difficult situation. Because an X receiver is getting jammed at the line of scrimmage because they don't have that buffer, that running start that they can get. So not only are they jammed, but oftentimes the X receiver, particularly when he's an X receiver that defenses are inclined to try to take away. Well, not only do you get jammed at the line of scrimmage when you're one of those types of X receivers, when you're a Odell Beckham Jr. or you're a Julio Jones type X receiver. You get jammed and then you get bracketed by a safety and you don't have another receiver next to you to pick your defender off. You're by yourself out there. So that's why the X receiver position is in general the most challenging position of the various roles in the passing game. But like with the Patriots, even if you don't have a Julio Jones, someone has to play X receiver. And so sometimes... What teams do is they just put a poser X receiver out there. That's what Brandon LaFell was last year. He's just a poser X receiver. That's what Riley Cooper's been for years. Riley Cooper, you look at his snap share. You think, wow, how is that possible? Riley Cooper is playing on almost every snap. His hog rate, which is the playerprofiler.com targets per snap metric, his hog rate, super low. That's just weird. If he's on the field all the time, why isn't he getting more targets? Well, because they put him out there as a figurehead X receiver. He can't get open against number one cornerbacks. He can't get open against bracket coverage. He can't get open after getting jammed at the line of scrimmage. This is Riley Cooper we're talking about. Of course he can't. He's just out there to create space. 
If we go back to the basketball analogy, think of a three-point shooter that's just out there to spread the floor. That's what a Riley Cooper is, these poser X receivers. When a team doesn't have a big or a fast receiver that can create his own space, well, they just have to put someone out there that can keep the defense honest a little bit. At least put someone out there that can force the defense to put their starting corner on this guy. That's why usually they're going to put their biggest receiver. I mean, if you look at Riley Cooper's workout metrics, he's a pretty explosive athlete for a big receiver. He just doesn't have a lot of great receiver skills all around, but you can look at the Riley Cooper profile on playerprofiler.com and you can say, oh yeah, he does look like a bad X receiver. He can play X, he just can't play it particularly well. Like James Jones on the Heat. When the Heat were in their prime, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, LeBron James, and James Jones. Just a guy out there who can shoot threes and can't do much else just for floor spacing purposes. And so that's what Riley Cooper is. He's playing X receiver just for floor spacing, just for field spacing purposes. Now, when you look back through time at some of the the prototypical split end X flanker Z duos that we've seen in the NFL. The most famous one was John Taylor and Jerry Rice. And most people think of Jerry Rice. They think of prolific receiver. They think, oh, he must have been the X receiver. He wasn't the X receiver. Jerry Rice played Z in the 49ers offense. He was a great run blocker and fantastic on intermediate routes. He was also great at yards after the catch. That's another thing that both the slot guy and the flanker need to be good at, yards after the catch. That's why you like your slot guys and your flanker to have high BMI, it's not a big deal. They don't need to be tall. They can be 5'11", 200 pounds. That's the ideal size for a slot flanker, a guy who's strong, great low center of gravity, good blocker, but also explosive yards after the catch. I think of a guy like Jarius Wright. I love Jarius Wright in the slot because he has the high body mass index and he's explosive when the ball is in his hands. He can maximize yards after the catch, getting up field after catching and securing the ball. You look back through time, Jarius Wright has been in the top of the league in yards after the catch per target year over year over year. So when I'm thinking about my optimal deep sleeper passing attack, I always put Jarius Wright in the slot. Now, if we keep thinking back through time, another prototypical duo that's a little more recent than the John Taylor, Jerry Rice, Heinz Ward, Plaxico Burris. Heinz Ward was the prototypical flanker and Plaxico Burris was the prototypical split end. Plaxico Burris could dominate on the outside by himself, get off press coverage, get separation and secure the football all by himself. Heinz Ward gets a running start, runs a quick out, secures the pass, first down. Or if it's a run play, Bam! Heinz Ward takes you out because he gets a running start and he just crushes edge rushers and linebackers. Heinz Ward literally made a living doing exactly that. And that's two receiver sets, Heinz Ward, Plaxico Burris. In three receiver sets, you have a lot of luxuries because you have two inside receivers off the line of scrimmage, both getting running starts, crossing against stationary defenders. So that's a great advantage for the offense. And then in three wide, you can also put a field stretcher out at X. 
the stretch X position. When I say stretch X on the show, that's what I'm referring to. In three wide receiver sets, you put your super fast guy out at X. If we stay in Pittsburgh, that was Mike Wallace, the prototypical stretch X under Bruce Arians. And Bruce Arians has been attempting to replicate Mike Wallace in the Mike Wallace role ever since. And he's done a great job finding John Brown as well as J.J. Nelson to fill that role in Arizona. Now what the Cardinals do, which is interesting, is they flip the X and the slot guy. Because Larry Fitzgerald is getting older and he's not as explosive... It's not as easy for him to beat the number one cornerback on the outside because the number one cornerback usually lines up against the split end X. And Larry Fitzgerald at 32 years old, he's not as adept at beating one-on-one the opposing team's best cornerback. And then beyond that, beating double coverage when he's bracketed. So what do they do? The Cardinals respond by playing Larry Fitzgerald at X in two receiver sets and then flipping it and putting him in the slot and then putting John Brown out at X in three receiver sets. That's genius. But that's also a recipe for getting your number one receiver the most possible targets. This is what I want the Packers to do with Jordy Nelson. I want the Packers so badly to play Jordy Nelson at X in two receiver sets and then move him into the slot or flanker role in three receiver sets and play Jeff Janis out at X. Because Jeff Janis would be an ideal split end X receiver in three receiver sets. Now, I think we've gone over 10 shows without mentioning Jeff Janis. And now I've failed you. But in Arizona, this is what they've been doing. And this is why it's been such a boon for Larry Fitzgerald getting all this volume. It's been great. Also, when you think about all the flexibility that offenses have in a three-receiver set, it makes sense that the NFL is moving to three-receiver sets predominantly. just makes sense. The advantages an NFL offense has in three-receiver sets because you only have to have seven players in the line of scrimmage are extraordinary. The fact that you can keep two receivers off the line of scrimmage and give both of them running starts is a strategic advantage for the offense. The Patriots have figured this out. Right? The Patriots have always been out ahead on things like this, realizing that there are schematic opportunities that they can leverage and they can exploit. When you break it down, what they're doing, taking a slot receiver and a flanker off the line of scrimmage and then giving them a running start and then crossing, it's unstoppable. You see more and more teams predominantly call three receiver set formations. That is now the dominant formation across most offenses. When you think about the roles these players play, again, the Heinz Ward flanker role, that position needs to be a good blocker and in sync with the other wide receiver as much as the quarterback. You might not have thought about that, but the slot receiver and the flanker, because they're running these rub routes all the time and they're they're trying to pick off whoever's covering the other guy, they need to be highly choreographed and what they're doing. Whereas the X receivers by himself, he just needs to win his own individual matchup and have great rapport with the quarterback. But the flanker and the slot guy, they need to be in tune with each other as much as they need to be in tune with the quarterback, maybe even more. Whereas with the X receiver, they're worried solely about being in sync with the quarterback. Now, when you think about the successful X receivers in the NFL, again, I keep coming back to this fact that the flanker has the built-in formation advantages to get open. The X receiver doesn't. That's why for a receiver to be a successful X receiver, he needs to have some kind of superpower, some kind of special ability. Think about Odell Beckham Jr. He's an acrobat with the best hands we've ever seen. We found a special ability and the superhero that we could compare every receiver to, Odell Beckham Jr.'s superhero avatar would be Spider-Man. 
Julio Jones, he gets open on the outside all by himself with unmatched vertical explosion. He's like Iron Man. Deshaun Jackson, his special ability is speed and ball skills. Most of your X receivers look more like Calvin Johnson than they look like Deshaun Jackson. He is special because he has special speed and ball skills. There's also a prankster side to Deshaun Jackson. So when I'm thinking about who Deshaun Jackson's superhero avatar is, I think of him as the human torch, a guy that can just torch you deep. And then when he catches it, plays a prank, tries to spin around, tries to go in backwards. And oh, sometimes, sometimes he drops the ball on the goal line and has to be saved by Mr. Fantastic. (laughs) It's just Deshaun Jackson being Deshaun Jackson. And Mr. Fantastic is Des Bryant, the guy with the elastic arms that can go up and over and around you to secure a reception. Now, before he retired, I always thought of Calvin Johnson as the Superman of wide receivers, but based on the degradation that Calvin Johnson experienced in his ankles and his knees, it's clear that he's not the man of steel. So that's a great irony that Calvin Johnson looks like Superman at the wide receiver position, except, well, he's anything but the man of steel. Those are just a few of the superhero avatars I could think of for the ex-receivers in the league, the guys that get open with some special ability, some superpower. Contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter. Email us, rotounderworld at gmail.com if you can think of any other superheroes that align with existing receivers. Now you might say, what about Antonio Brown? Well, Antonio Brown plays flanker, number one. Jerry Rice also played flanker, as we discussed earlier. They don't have superpowers. They just maximize every aspect of their game as human beings. They have every gadget possible in their skill set. They win with great tactics and planning and guile. So in that way, Antonio Brown is Batman. Because Batman doesn't have a superpower that came from another planet. But still, that would have to be Antonio Brown's superhero avatar. It would have to be Batman. When you think about the different roles on offense, I like to think of the roles in the passing game. Flanker, split end, slot guy. And think about this upcoming draft. Think about the recent draft that we had. Think about the rookie receivers that are coming into the league. The top five rookie receivers. I think the top five rookie receivers are pretty clear. Just looking at their draft slots. Corey Coleman, Laquan Treadwell, Will Fuller, Josh Doxson, Sterling Shepard. Just looking at draft order, those were the first five receivers drafted. And so when you think about Corey Coleman, I think that he could develop into a superhero. I think he has superpowers in him. I think he looks a lot like the Flash. But when you think about how he wins, I think of him as a low-to-the-ground, high-body-mass index explosive receiver who could win out of the flanker role in the West Coast offense just as easily as he could win out of the slot or even the X receiver. I think you could deploy him anywhere, just like Odell Beckham Jr. You could deploy them anywhere and they would win. The question is, on the Browns, given the receivers they have on the roster, where should you deploy Corey Coleman to optimize the offensive efficiency? And I would actually love Cleveland to put Corey Coleman at flanker and to give Ricardo Lewis a shot at playing X. Because Ricardo Lewis looks more like a prototypical X receiver than Corey Coleman does. Now, I understand Odell Beckham Jr. plays the X receiver and plays it well. Because he's Spider-Man, for Christ's sake! That's why! And I would love to see Corey Coleman develop a superpower that allows him to play X receiver. But in the meantime, 
Ricardo Lewis looks more like a prototypical X receiver than Corey Coleman does because Ricardo Lewis runs a 4-4-3, and at 6-2-2-15, that comes out to a 113.2, 93rd percentile height-adjusted speed score on playerprofiler.com. He also has a 130.6, 88th percentile burst score. A 118.3 Spark X score for Ricardo Lewis is 84th percentile on playerprofiler.com. Now, I know he wasn't particularly productive at Auburn. He certainly wasn't productive at an early age because Sammy Coates was there and DeQuill Williams was there, and you would consider both of those receivers talented. I wish he could have supplanted one of them earlier, but it didn't happen. But when you look at these measurables, he has X receiver size. He has X receiver athleticism. And I'd like to see him out at X, and I'd like to see Corey Coleman at flanker in a high-target flanker role. Now, flankers with special traits like Edelman and Antonio Brown, they make the best target hogs in the West Coast offense. So I also would love to see Corey Coleman at flanker because I think that would maximize his target share. And then I'd put Rashad Higgins in the slot. I think if there's one place in the NFL where Rashad Higgins can be successful, it is as a slot receiver. I think you put Higgins close to the line of scrimmage, take advantage of his route running prowess and his hands, that's where he can win. I think outside, Rashard Higgins would be exposed because he's not fast, he's not agile, he's not explosive. But when you play him at slot, the Y position, the slot position, a guy like Wes Welker, who has bottom percentile athleticism, can win out of the slot. You need to be able to understand how to take advantage of the creases and crevices on a football field. You need to understand how to get leverage on defenders and need to have great hands. And I think those are the things that Rashard Higgins demonstrated at Colorado State, despite lacking athleticism. So I'd love to see Rashard Higgins in the slot for that reason. So Coleman at flanker, Lewis at X, Higgins in the slot. That would be an exciting wide receiver configuration for Cleveland. If you put Josh McCown at quarterback, Josh McCown was a top 20 fantasy quarterback last season. He's a better quarterback than Robert Griffin III, period, in every way. So if he can win that job during training camp, during preseason, if they can give that job to Josh McCown, I believe the Cleveland offense will be more efficient than most people believe. Throw in Duke Johnson in the backfield, I mean, there is reason to be hopeful about this Cleveland offense. Now, another guy is Laquan Treadwell. And I think like Corey Coleman, Laquan Treadwell can develop a superpower. I think he's more likely to develop a superpower than Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs runs a 4-4-6, doesn't have a great burst score, doesn't have a great agility score. He looks like Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb has been an incredibly successful slot receiver and flanker throughout his NFL career. He plays flanker in two-receiver sets and slot receiver in three-receiver sets. I love putting Stephon Diggs at flanker because in the intermediate routes, I think that's where Stephon Diggs is going to have the most success. And then I think you post up Laquan Treadwell and you let him develop as your X receiver. I think he's going to struggle in year one, but I think over time it's worth it. I think that Laquan Treadwell can develop a superpower and ultimately be successful out at the X position. And then, of course, I love Jarius Wright in the slot because he's a yak monster. Woohoo! And I think Teddy Bridgewater has been relatively efficient. He's just been a low-volume quarterback. If he loses Adrian Peterson and or the Vikings play more from behind in 2016, I think Teddy Bridgewater has the ability to be prolific. This noodle arm criticism isn't supported by the deep passing efficiency. 
Teddy Bridgewater is a better deep passer than those that mock him for having a weak arm understand. They don't understand who Teddy Bridgewater is. They don't like his throwing style. That's it. They think he pushes the ball out there. They would rather see him have a more elongated throwing motion. That's a stylistic bias. I don't care how the ball comes out. As long as it comes out quickly, it comes out on time, and it comes out accurately. As long as you can do those things, I don't care how the ball comes out. So for that reason, I think Treadwell and Bridgewater can be an exciting duo for years to come. You look at Will Fuller, I think what they're going to do is they're going to flip Will Fuller and Hopkins in a way that maximizes Hopkins' targets. I think Will Fuller will play Z in two receiver sets, and they'll flip it and they'll put him out at X as a stretch X in three receiver sets. But all of that will be designed to get targets funneled to DeAndre Hopkins, not Will Fuller. So in that way, I think Will Fuller helps the Texans. He will create space for the other receivers in the passing game. He will help to optimize that wide receiver talent configuration, but the Texans aren't going to be doing Will Fuller any favors by having Brock Osweiler at quarterback, a check down six seven quarterback and having a target hog already in place in DeAndre Hopkins. So I believe Will Fuller had the worst landing spot for fantasy. He landed in a low volume situation, but I think he also landed in a place where he himself can help that passing game be as efficient as possible. Now, when you look at Josh Doxson, I think they'll flip Doxson from X in two receiver sets to slot in three wide. I think they'll deploy Josh Doxson in Washington in a similar fashion to how Arizona deploys Larry Fitzgerald, playing X in two receiver sets and then slot in three wide to maximize Josh Doxson's targets. And it'll be Garcon whose targets suffer because he's going to be running picks for Doxson, not vice versa. Pierre Garcon's targets will be gargon.